Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 15 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. And today, my guest is narrator Michael Gallagher. Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm amazing. As I had just <laughs> mentioned, this is my first podcast ever. I know. I'm I'm joining the 21st century <laughs> finally, and uh, as I had said, I'm tickled pink, honestly. So thank you for having me. No, I'm excited. Um, I always love being someone's first. It's always a good thing. Yeah, set uh, <laughs> presidents and all that fun stuff. But <laughs> I, I I promise I'll be good and gentle. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I, you always, uh-huh. I I was thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have brought a drink in, you know, relax <laughs> even more. Totally up to you. We can pause for a minute if you want to go grab one. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. good. It's good. Okay, good. I'm ready. I'm, it's five o'clock be somewhere. Like the hot seat. It'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not so. Again, you'll you'll see that. Um, and we can make sure later that you know do the check in. I'm like, so hey, well, how was how was your first time? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but why don't we start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you became a narrator. Sure. Um. Ooh, so let's see if I can condense this just a little bit. Um. <laughs> Because uh, it is it is a tale, um, but yeah, no, I come um, I come from an acting background originally. Um, I've been acting pretty much all my life. Um, I I I went to school for acting in North Carolina, and it really wasn't um, until the tail end of it that a buddy of mine uh, was switching jobs, and he wanted to use me as the talent in it. And, uh, and, and so I did that and he got the job and he says, well, I, you know, he goes out to Austin, Texas is where this job is. And he says, I know you can't really like fly out to Austin, but it would be really great to get you to do something. So I'm going to see if I can find you a job. I was like, no, no, no worries. You know, live your best life. So about three months later, he calls me and is like, well, what, you know, could you try some voiceover? And I had never done voiceover at that point. So this is about um, I want to say like, let's see, 2016. So I guess about six years ago, right? Mm, okay. <laughs> so yeah, ballpark. And so he was like, okay, remember that camera setup that I, you know, told you to get? Cause I wanted to make like short films and stuff at the time. And I was like, yeah. He said, remember that boom mic that I had you get? I was like, yeah. He said, okay, here's what you do. And I did my first sort of, uh, closet setup. You know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, created something of a tent of a down comforter. And I did all the things that, you know, you sort of put around, you know, to make everything proofed, you know, soundproofed and everything. And I did the job and I send it in, get paid. And I was like, where was this the whole time? Because I had just spent four years in, you know, acting school and nobody talks about voiceover period. And I have some suspicions about why that is. I think a lot of it has to do with most teachers don't really have a ton of experience with it. So they tend to, you know, most of the, I guess, curriculum really sticks to the mainstays, you know, stage, film, uh, television, um, and things relating to that. But voiceover is really something where, um, you know, a lot of advancements um, only came around in the last 20 or even 10 years. To make it such that that's something that was democratized and made much easier for 
other people to get involved in independently. Right. You know, so basically um, I was just shocked that I, I was like, well, this is a this is a really viable sphere in which acting can exist that that could make for a great career. And I just thought it was so much fun um, and really sort of a kind of like a very efficient and economical way of doing acting, because unlike being in a town like right now, I'm, I'm in L.A. I've lived in L.A. for the last uh, about uh, four years now, almost five, actually. And I, I thought to myself, as opposed to huffing the pavement, mm-hmm. you know, going to an audition <laughs> that could take you like half a day or a day, you know, you got one shot to do the audition um, and then maybe you get it, maybe you don't. Whereas in voiceover, as a voice teacher told me, you get to, you know, that's why they call it voiceover. You get to do it over and over <laughs> and, and over and, again <laughs> and over and over. Right. And so that's why I was like, oh, you know, and, and you can and you can do like 50, 100 auditions, however many that you can do, you know, that you can stomach. And I just thought, wow, this is remarkable. So um, so I was doing sort of my own thing for a while, doing a lot of online research and learning a lot about what it is that it takes to, you know, be a voice actor and all the things that you have to learn about, um, you know, tech wise, technique wise, you know, all these different areas. Uh, And at some point I realized that it is distinct from other kinds of acting in that you really don't come into contact with other people a whole lot because most of it is on your own. Right. And so I was like, I, I really feel like I need to find my tribe. I really need to find, feel like I need to find people who I can talk to about this sort of look to your left, look to your right and say, is this working? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so basically I, I did just that. There's a group in Burbank, um, not far from where I live, where um, it's called uh, Voices Anonymous <laughs> and they meet up uh, <laughs> every month. Um, and it's a bunch of voice actors that, you know, like to shoot the breeze and talk about what's going on and what they're doing and everything. And that's where I eventually, um, when I went for the first time, I met my, uh, my uh, mentor, Byron Wagner, um, who is incredible. And you should probably very seriously consider bringing him on the show because he has a ton to say and he taught me just about everything I know. Okay. And, um, and so he he really helped me learn so much specifically about audiobooks. So the person who had introduced me is like, you do audiobooks, right? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, sort of like faking it till you make it. I was like, wow. I also didn't even think about that either. And so Byron was the first one to really sort of introduce me to the world of voiceover um, and all that it entails. And so I've been doing my first audiobook was in 2019. I think it was around July or so of 2019. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. And it has been just an amazing experience. I mean, I get to tell people that I tell stories for a living, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I just it's as, as an old acting teacher told me, good work if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it's funny that you mentioned it in the sense of like, no, because it's like I really wish that when I was in high school, they would have mm. said to you, as a career, you have voiceover. 
and voice dubbing, you know, and uh, graphic design work and things like that, because no, instead I was teacher and psychologist and I'm Mm -hmm. going, I I would have gone into graphic artwork (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I'm like, wait, I can take photos of hot guys and do book covers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But they don't do that now, you know, and I think now it's becoming a little bit more like conversations are opening up to non-traditional careers in academia and yeah um, but yeah but thank you brian uh for getting you into all this yeah no byron's been great um he he's really been just a a wealth of information he also his whole thing is like he has had like a whole litany of careers that have informed you know not just his ability to tell a story but like to really sort of connect with a whole different kind of you know various different kinds of people and to sort of he loves to match make so he loves to like you know get people together and see if something fun can be done um so yeah very charming guy that's awesome you have to look into him but you run the gamut you have things from like middle grade to young adult to Hatsumi uh-huh. romance i mean yeah. How did that come about as far as the different genres and narrating within them? That's a great question. So uh, originally when I when I was thinking about uh, how I wanted to position myself in the world of audiobooks, I was thinking, well, what what kinds of books, number one, would I enjoy? But what kind of books would I do? I think that I would be pretty good at. And, you know, I think I, I kept getting this feedback where. A lot of people, and this was also sort of in other voiceover realms, a lot of people were pointing out that I had this younger sounding voice for, for a male. I didn't sound particularly, um, you know, authoritative, but I did sound, you know, sort of like I had like a kind of a young, maybe uh, charming or, or at least something that would be believable in the high school or college realm. And I was like, oh, that makes sense, right? And so I thought that, you know, I wanted to start by aiming at young adults, um, which, you know, was pretty great. Um, so Byron kind of, uh, you know, introduced me to um, Deb Dion over at Dion Audio, and uh, we really hit it off. And so that was sort of my first relationship with uh, a production company. Um, in which I could sort of explore that a little bit more, the, it, particularly the young adult stuff. Um, and that was going really well. So like you noticed, there's you know a handful of different things that I've done over the years with them. I, um, I have this great series called Skyborn that I've been doing, which they do with Scholastic Audio. Um, I, you know, there's um, the Diary of an 8-Bit Warrior series, which has been a long a series that I've done with them, sort of all these things that fit somewhere between young adult and middle grade. Um, and then uh, right as uh, Pink Flamingo Productions was starting up, I signed up for their roster. And I, I really thought that I wasn't right for romance. I, I thought because of my younger sounding voice, I didn't sound to to put it one way. I didn't sound like the six foot tall guy with the six inch dick that you know you really <laughs> seem to hear a lot more of in romance. You know the very sort of the deeper, steamier um, you know voices that 
that's where it sits with them most naturally. And I just wasn't sure if I would be believable, you know, in, in romance or, or, but, but honestly, it, it just went to show me that I didn't know, I didn't know much about the varying uh, tastes and, you know, uh, hopes of the listenership in romance and, and how diverse it is in terms of what they're looking for, you know? And I think um, maybe it's, there was sort of this intersection between um, at first, anyway, the sort of the high school, um, I should say late high school romances and new adult, young, young adult romances <laughs> that kind of that sort of intersected with that the romance world that started out at first. Um, and then ever since then, I've been doing all kinds of romances, primarily, uh, I would say the majority of what I do at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's been extraordinary. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of the guys tend to think that we want that deeper growly, come here, finish her kind of a mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, um, most guys I know don't sound like that. <laughs> and right. Have, well, yeah. You know, and it's also it's what you're saying, not so much. And also then that there's those different tones and ranges within your own voice that you can come out and you're going, oh, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I also I get it because it's like it, it really it it's sort of it just depends i mean obviously you know i i i can dip down into my deeper register and stuff and you know sound like a a you know a mafia don and excuse me do whatever it is that i need to do which i i have a lot of fun doing um but i i also realize that um you just can't really predict what it is that's going to resonate with people and and what isn't, you know, and it's particularly, it really does manifest in the, you know, when you go to audition for these books and stuff that you, you're really not sure that you may even be right for. And then you, and then you get the book because the author really seemed to have a lot of faith in you. Um, and in, you know, in, in the casting decision that their listeners are going to enjoy this person you know, working with this character. Um, and I guess all I can say to that is I'm deeply grateful to, you know, to be a part of all this, you know, something that I, I didn't think I was going to be as welcomed into um, as I suppose things that seemed more obvious at the time, you know? Well, now you're here and we're keeping you, so you're good. Um- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny that the gamut of romance, the genres that kind of we have, everything from that right now very popular dark bully, mm. late high schooler, new you know, a new adult, early college, yeah. for you know, and then the whole billionaires and and people that have fifteen thousand helicopters, and I'm like, I did not ever have a guy in my um, <laughs> college years that I work for as an internship look like that. <laughs> <laughs> or right. be a billionaire but hey it's mm-hmm. it's fantasy but the romance community is a great community that we definitely fall for the narrators and the authors and the stories that were you guys are telling us so thank you for being part of that i love it community. i love them I, they've they've been so they've they've been the most responsive um the uh, i guess the the romance uh, audience they 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 really are great fans and they're really wonderful people um mm-hmm. and I, i'm you know i'm going to my first uh i guess 
convention. Um, have you heard about um, the Allure um, romance audiobook? Yeah, uh, you're not. Yeah, you guys, you and I are gonna have to go get coffee or something or a drink. Oh, good. Because <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. thrilled. Uh, this this has been a thing that's been in the works for oh, gosh, I want to say better part of two years now. Yeah. And um, and it's finally coming together and I'm thrilled for a little while. I wasn't really sure, you know, if I was going to be able to make it. But but I, I did as of a couple months ago. And uh, I'm so excited to finally meet like all my co-narrators and and Sarah and, uh, you know, and, and all the authors, um, you know, that I've these are all people that I've emailed with and everything, but just haven't had the chance to meet and, and to get to meet all the fans that. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know what to expect in in many regards. So I'm super excited. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so for those that are listening, I may not have heard Allure is an upcoming convention uh, that is specifically for audiobooks. So mm-hmm. we're they're having authors that are attending are only those that have audiobooks out in production. And they're trying to pair up those authors with their narrators. So, you know, when you go get a book signed, you can get both the author and the narrator to sign it. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, you're going to run the gamut of people asking you to sign books. They're going to sign, you know, the, some of them may have even do scrapbooks with book covers instead of the actual physical book. And there's, you know, yeah. pillows and you might get a, a penis pillow here and there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I've seen it's, a lot. <laughs> it's funny because like I've never because I've never done these kinds of things. I don't I don't know what to expect in terms of reactions and people, you know, how excited they'll be. Mm-hmm. I also don't know. Something struck me is I have several uh, authors who are going to be doing book signings at the at the convention. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, because what they try to do is they try to pair you up with them at a table uh-huh. so that you can do book signings. And I, I I said, you know, they were like, well, which, you know, uh, who, who who is it that, you know, you know, you want to be seated next to? And yeah, I was like, well, all of them. Oh, now I got <laughs> right. All of them, uh, except I, I guess you can't do that. I don't know how this works. So I'm sort of like wondering, like, if you have multiple authors who are doing signings, do you bounce from table to table and try to sign for people? Like, what do you do? You know, if you're the, if they're trying to do it with your book. I'm not even sure how that works. So I'm curious to see what they do. It'll be interesting. I know that there's been times where in previous years prior to this whole thing called COVID and conventions would occur, there were sometimes authors that have done books together, but their last names, because things were alphabetized by last names, are completely Mm. opposite. So the individual would have to go from one table to find the next and things like that. But I'm sure there's creative ways and you and I off air can, I can give you some ideas and suggestions ah. on how to connect with those uh, authors because you don't want to leave anybody out. And- right. Well, that's what I'm nervous about. I was like, I don't want to make anybody feel like I'm not like that. Like I didn't choose you, you know, <laughs> um, you will never narrate one of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never work in this book town again. Yeah. You know? I no longer love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, just want to be everybody's friend. Yeah, well, you'll definitely um, have opportunities and, you know, to meet up with everybody there and, and both listeners and authors and also peers. It's yeah. going, it's uh, when it comes down to those book signings, there's even times off 
Like mm-hmm. it used to be where we would go, um, the book lovers, it was the book lovers RT convention. And that mm. it happened years ago. I think it's been now um, about three years that it's no longer in, in play. Mm-hmm. owner sold it and but we would actually the bar would be another place where we would get yeah. together with the authors and we're like oh my god here's a beer sign my book um yeah. Or, yeah or if you brought their entire collection you don't want to bring that entire collection to the to the place when you know five books is the required minimum so you would right. try to get together with them so there's definitely lots of options and opportunities for that so like i said we'll get together off air but i'm excited you're going i'm psyched I'm so psyched. It's funny you mentioned the authors because like that's another thing that I'm almost like I'm a little nervous about because I, I don't really know a lot of them by face. Right. Uh-huh. And in some cases, I might even not recognize them by name because yeah, a lot of them do go by a, you know, a nom de plure, uh, a, uh, a name that they otherwise is not their real name. Oh, yeah. So I'm I don't know whether or not they're going to be walking around with like their, you know, their, their pen name. Mm-hmm. on their name tags um so i i hope i don't <laughs> i hope i don't you know uh mistake anybody or or just totally not recognize them for one reason or another um uh, if you're listening authors and and narrators and stuff that i haven't actually met in person i'm so excited to see you just tap me on the shoulder and let me know because i might not recognize you at first <laughs> It is a fear of mine to accidentally Mm -hmm. out someone because a lot of individuals, both authors and, and narrators use the pseudonyms and, and it's always like, so usually the way that I kind of function is if I met you as Michael Gallagher, and let's just say that that was your pen name, that Mm -hmm. is what I'm calling you for the rest of your life. (laughs) Even if you bust out with, no, really, my name is John. Like, listen, Michael, um, (laughs) Right. I, I have two narrators that I've worked with in my entire now, like almost 10 years. And they're mm-hmm. the only ones. And that's because they got on my ass about <sighs> calling them by their real names. And I'm like, okay, sir, I'm not arguing with you, sir. Uh- <laughs> right. right. No, I, that's a great point. That's a yeah. great point. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, for my part, I, I just, I, you know, I thought, I actually thought about this in the beginning. I was like, well, do I want a, you know, some kind of a pseudonym or do I, and I, I don't know. I've seen different arguments for things. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I, I remember I remember Jeff Kafer mm-hmm. um, talking about how sort of the reason why he did it was to kind of keep brands separate. So, like, he feels like his sci-fi, and I don't want to butcher what he you know meant, but it, I guessed that based on what he was talking about, he wanted to keep his audiences. Um, that might have different interests separate. So like his sci-fi audience um, might not necessarily want to see the stuff that has to do with their romance uh, audience and stuff like that. So he uses different um, pseudonyms for that. Although, you know, it's been years since I heard him say that. So I don't know if he holds the same thing to be true. Whereas, you know, uh, I, you know, I've, I've heard from other people and I kind of feel the same way of, I, I'm not personally really all that concerned about anything that I do. Um, and I, and I kind of feel like I want to keep it all under um, one umbrella, you know, um, I would like to be associated with pretty much all the work that I do. Um, and that's not to say that you're saying that you don't want to be associated with the work you do, but I know that some people get nervous about, I don't know, some people getting concerned about when they do things like erotica and stuff. Well, I never had that concern, really. 
Yeah, I just think it's um, it definitely is a per individual and whatever they feel works best for them. Mm. Um, it can get kind of messy too when you start going into different genres and all of a sudden you have four different pen names to try to remember and you're going, yeah. Google Gmail is going to be my pain. Um, yeah. But it, I think that it's been interesting in romance where we devour the books mm-hmm. and we want to know, well, what else are you doing? And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's underwater basket weaving or sci-fi or historical, we want to hear it because it's we like the sound of your voice and how you perform the books and granted um it's going to be a difference if it's uh autobiography um memoirs cookbook (laughs) sci-fi think of that versus anything else uh if you know kind of fill in the blanks i know sometimes the other aspect is some of the narrators that do middle grade children's young adult books like you know diary of an 8-bit warrior and if, mm-hmm. you know, you have your son that busts out with, hey, mom, I want to, and then he's like, yeah, use my iPad. And then as he's scrolling, he's going, oh, diary a bit earlier, beyond vengeance, burn to ash. And you're going, right. oh, no, 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 honey. But on the opposite yeah. spectrum, I have friends that have kids and they love your performance. And they're like, I really wish that he did children's books because it's mm. great. So, yeah, it's the gamut. Yeah, it's funny. I, I have that exact same thought too. Like, oh, is it because they're going on Amazon and they see all these things? And I asked, um, uh, oh, his name escapes me. Um, but I asked, uh, I, I asked a producer one time um, what it is that he thought of that um, quote unquote problem. Like whether, you know, if, are you concerned about, you know, people when they look up uh, you know, and a narrator on Amazon, you know, if do, do the production companies or the publishers ever get concerned about, you know, their listeners running into content that they didn't really want to see? Like, for instance, if they're looking for the young adult stuff or the middle grade stuff, but they really ended up running into also the erotica stuff. And the producer basically said, we're really not concerned about that um, because for the most part, they're really just looking up either the genre or the book, right? Or like the series or something. They're not, and it's sort of like, you know, he meant this as no offense, but he's like, it's not, unless you're a diehard audiobook fan, which there are many, Mm -hmm. right? They are legion. But for the most part, you know, a lot of people just look up what they want to hear. and sometimes not necessarily like who they want to hear. And so they feel like it's, it's probably more okay than most people make it out to be. And they've never had an issue where they've had, you know, no one's ever had to like apologize because one of their narrators did both erotica and middle grade, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. fiction. I I've, I've also even occasionally done books for, um, you know, it's actually, it's not Christian audio, but it's the offshoot of that same uh, people who made it. I think it's called One Audio. I've done a few books for them and you, you'd think might maybe those would be one of the few companies that might be concerned about me doing erotica as well. Never heard a thing. I just don't think it's something that most people are really concerned about. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I think it depends. It's, it's such, you know, individual whether it's for work or family. I mean, sometimes personally, people may not want to know that they're doing the hot steamy stuff Mm -hmm. um, because their mom might be searching for an audio (laughs) book. Oh, mom, it seems we have the same favorite narrator. Uh, 
<laughs> which which what are the things do you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's 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 a good conversation, but that's also where I always say to people at the end of the day, regardless of the why, we just have to respect their wishes and call them with what they tell us to call them by. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, to all my narrator friends who do have pseudonyms, I, you know, uh, I, I completely respect that decision, you know, because there's there's probably far more reasons that somebody has a pseudonym that I don't I didn't think of or I don't oh, yeah. know about. Oh, yeah. You know, exactly. Um. So. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm sure, you know, that there's there's very good reasons. And and uh, and and a lot of them have fun with their pseudonyms, too. Oh, you yeah. Know? That is true. Yeah. I will say it'd be kind of fun to be like, mm, fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, more power to him. Yeah, and besides, in between now and and you know, in the future, you might decide to do a pseudonym. You never know, right? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. So we'll figure it out. Yeah, and then we'll Mm -hmm. have listeners like, okay, he kind of sounds familiar because that's the game that we play afterwards when we're when we're trying to figure out what you guys if it's the same one and we're going "Mm, play one sample, play the other sample, play one sample, play the other sample. Viviana, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I'm not telling you, I got you. I won't out (laughs) you, but I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, is there a difference in prepping a book for audio when it's like the eight bits versus Oh, a full-blown adults romance mm. for you. Yeah, n- another good question. Um, I would say you know, with a lot of the young adults and middle grade books, there you have to think a little bit more dynamically about the voices that you want to use. Um, I do find that you know a lot of those audiences do respond to um, if you can work in any sort of almost uh, cartoon or a character, you know, exaggerated character-like um, voices, then that that can be a lot of fun and a lot of, um, you know, it, it just can be very exciting to sort of stretch those muscles as well. Um, Diary of an 8-Bit uh, Warrior in particular um, was one where I, I mean, I have a file in here somewhere where I keep like a, uh, you know, a whole array of examples of the characters. I think there has to be at least, oh, somewhere between 30 and 50 characters or something. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful too when I'm like on book six and I'm like, oh, this is a character that I saw in book two. I have to go back and check to see what that was again. Um, and, um, and there, there is, you know, some people are just, so prolific in their ability to be super dynamic. And I, and I think I, you know, I pride myself in my ability to be fairly flexible. Um, but some of them are going to have some overlapping characteristics, um, you know, just because, you know, as, as someone once told me, it's an audio book, not a radio show, you know? <laughs> so you are one person after all. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 some some things, you know, not all not every single one of the characters in a you know, book where it's like 50 characters is going to be entirely original or unique. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I feel like that's that's definitely one of them. I do find that the that those books were a lot of times you're doing characters that are roughly the same age range. 
you know, as, as the audience. Um, and for me, it's gotten a little bit more challenging to sort of squeak out the younger voices over the years. At, when I started out, it was a little bit easier, but my voice has been sort of, you know, uh, deepening a little bit as I have been doing, especially the romance books and stuff, because those require you to spend more time in your, you know, your, your chest voice, your, your deeper register a lot of times. Um, and so uh, that's one of the primary differences is that they do tend to be much more um, dynamic with romance books. It's um, you know, it's, it's a lot more subtle. It's, it's a lot more intimate. So you don't have to spend quite as much time making, you know, the voices so wildly different, you know? Um, and uh but but they both have their their own kind of momentum um and uh one's you know one's just much more of a, a sort of a reactive uh momentum and then and then i would say with romance it tends to be a lot more uh simmering and psychological and internal and um and uh and nuanced most of the time you know um some sometimes you know you do have characters that are you know, uh, a bit more brazen and a bit more, uh, you know, reactive. But um, I, I really enjoy the sort of the psychological aspect of, uh, of romance books, you know? Yeah, what makes a character the way that he is and what makes him say certain things and do certain things. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, the, uh, the authors can do a really good job. And I know that there's been a lot of changes in, in, within the audiobook industry with before authors were not involved a lot in the production of the audiobooks now they are so they're giving you guys mm -hmm. more information in the yeah. beginning of the process versus you having to sit there and read the entire freaking book to realize that he has an irish accent on page 300 right <laughs> yeah <laughs> going, well damn it <laughs> absolutely and i and i think you know the great news is that a, a lot of these publishers and production companies have been enormously helpful in sort of getting that uh, information ahead of time I mean, just to kind of like keep in the back of our heads as we're moving through it, you know, we, we, of course, like read all the books that we're, we're prepping, but every so often we might, that piece of information, you know, he said in his Irish brogue or something, we, we may have just, you know, not registered that if we're reading through and, you know, and, and, and it happens every so often where there's like one word um, which is a pretty important word, but sometimes we we just sort of accidentally stepped over it, and we we don't realize uh, until a little bit farther in. And I I sort of learned that very early on, so you know I I try to take extreme care with trying to make sure that I have all of the you know details that affect your performance in particular. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, things that are sort of very clearly uh, laid out, but you know, a, a lot of a lot of these uh, teammates with the production companies and publishers are, are enormously helpful with that kind of stuff. So I, I haven't really run into Good. that yeah. as much, you know. Yeah. And I, sometimes I know it it happens in the opposite point of view, where it's it's her point of view, and the conversation happens, and that's when the information of and he said in his Irish brogue, you know, mm. <laughs> who does he think he is <laughs> Yeah, in that talking to me and that you think he's that sexy. And then so you guys don't get that part so much unless you're having to read the whole book. So, yeah, it's good that you guys are getting more info 
in the upfront of it. Yeah, you work with your co-narrators and kind of and collect that kind of information from each other. I'm like, so, hey, how how deep are you really going with that voice? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah. The vast majority of the time we are we um, and, and everybody's a little bit different. You know, sometimes we, you know, uh, sometimes we get together and do like a Zoom session where we talk about everything. Um, other times, you know, we're emailing back and forth. And we'll, you know, we'll send um, like files of examples of our, you know, our take on the character, certain qualities that we had decided upon. And we'll, you know, we'll sort of refine it a little bit more, sort of come to an agreement on how we want to do it. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and sometimes that's about, you know, that's, a, that's about it is just sending stuff back and forth. And it, it really just sort of depends, right? There's there's dual narration where you're doing your own chapters, uh, even though you're also voicing um, the the other character um, as well in your chapters. And then it's it's funny because duet narration has somewhat evolved, yeah, a little bit um, because originally, and I I, I can really only speak for um, my experience with like Pink Flamingo, for instance, where at first we were doing it where we were recording it contemporaneously and then um we switched to doing it um separately and uh, sort of um i guess putting the necessary pauses in between where the other person's lines would be and stuff and um and imagining it a little bit and you know honestly it I, I have never really struggled with either one. I will say it was, you know, it was quite a bit of fun. And I know other people, uh, other companies still do this as well, where um, we do the Zoom sessions and stuff like that. Um, but I, I can completely understand how from a flexibility standpoint, it, it can make it a bit easier for people to, you know, just sort of record on their own schedules. You know, um, I'm, I'm totally okay with either one. Um, they're, they're great fun. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. um, duets becoming a, it has become a favorite of mine simply because there there's a bit more, especially when with romance when there is that moment of banter, or mm-hmm. you know, and don't it's a little hard to interrupt yourself when you you know when you're doing the, all the voices in in the chapter versus it's a little bit more symbiotic. I think when it's the two of you going at each other and in the, as the characters, it's always fun that more that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting now. Um, I know the conversation has been, well, zoom or not to zoom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) When it comes to duet narration and for whatever platform, take your pick. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple of different ones too, um, that are more industry used. Um, yeah. Like I've really enjoyed where, um, I, I'm sure this is still going on, but um, there was a discord um, for a while there that uh, basically narrators would openly narrate what they're working on um, so long as they had gotten the permission to and everything. Um, and you couldn't, you can follow along and, uh, and just sort of be a fly on the wall of what's actually behind the scenes and how that whole process goes. Yes. Um, even sure, I think uh, she started that uh, Discord. the The name of the the Discord eludes me at the moment. But. Yeah, there's two different Discord. Um, I'm trying to find the right verbiage because it's almost like each platforms has different verbiage for what they're yeah categorized. Right. You know, we have you know we have the clubhouse, and then there's different clubs. And but in Discord, I think it's almost like different channels. 
uh, Discord <laughs> channels. And I think there's two, one specifically for romance and one specifically for audiobooks. And then there's a subcategory within that audiobook one that's for romance. So there's two different ones. I have it somewhere. I can put it in the notes <laughs> for Excellent. those that are listening. Yeah. Because it is fun to get to watch you guys kind of go through that process. And, yeah. you know, and how the, how you guys switch between the characters' voices, like, so quickly. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, to, and to further entice your, uh, your audience there, um, I know that some narrators are even comfortable with, you know, engaging with the audience and, you know, asking them, what, what do you suppose I should, you know, yeah. how should I handle this character in this instance? Like, you know, should I use a little bit of uh, like more of this accent or do you think I should, you know, do you think the character would be a little bit more uh, taken aback or something? And they make it a bit more interactive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, that's a really fun idea. Obviously, you know, you kind of have to balance it out with what you think really works. Yeah. But um, that's a fun little sort of wrinkle in the experience of not just eventually getting to hear the final product, but perhaps even being a part of product in that regard you know having yeah. had a, sort of a small hand in a little bit a little tidbit of <laughs> how the production uh, actually played out yeah no it's definitely something that the the romance community loves to do and the authors have picked up on that is mm -hmm. being part of the process not only as the end user consumer but also the authors will ask hey you know who are your top narrators and sometimes the same four people come up and other times we're like well, who are your new ones? And then like, that's how your name came up in conversation with me was they're like, oh, you guys got to cast this guy named Michael Gallagher. And I'm like, who? And I'm like, writing the name down. And, <laughs> and there's a couple other ones that I'm going, okay, because we have a, we kind of have a type um, with narrators uh -huh. and we, because we know that they do such a good job, we're not going to get disappointed. And, you know, yeah. when there's money involved in credits and stuff like that, and we know we're going to get a good story, we kind of stick to the same individuals, but mm -hmm. I like branching out. I like discovering the newer voices or those up and coming ones and being part of that process of like, you guys got to listen to Michael, you know, um, and things oh, like that. I'm honored. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's because it's, there's, you, the there's a lot of you guys and there's there's something for everybody and how and what you guys bring to the table is different and i know sometimes again it can be a little scary you know going to a new author and a new narrator and we're going um i only got so many hours in my day and i want to get a good story mm -hmm. and you go do you do not and i'm like yeah it's michael do it <laughs> so you know wow. yeah it, well, it's just I'm... a fun thing yeah no, I mean, that's that's uh, I, that's really great to hear it because I, I was like, I was thinking that to myself when I got your email. I was like, how did she find me? I was in witness <laughs> protection. No, I, I uh, no, I'm safe, everybody. Um, yeah, no, but I was, I was just like taken aback. I was like, I've never been asked to do something like this. I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm tickled. And um, and so this has been, you know, great. Not that it's mm -hmm. ending. I'm just saying it's, it's going to be like, where are you going? Experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's um, the community. We, we talk about what we like, what we don't like, what is it about the voice? And, you know, there's a lot of groups out there where, yeah, we, the conversation of, oh my God, it got so hot and heavy, you know? And when he says that mm. particular word, it's like yummy and parts tingle and blah, blah, blah. But there's also a, a group of that. We really want the plot development. We want the characters to grow from page one to page end. 
And what does the narrator bring to add that oomph right. to an already good book? And that's yeah. the kind of conversation. And authors are realizing that. And that's who they're asking, well, who are these up and coming narrators or who was someone that was like, wowed by you, you know? And so your name came up by a couple of listeners. So, so I'm adding these names and stuff. And I'm, and then I did the Google, you know, cause Audible and Google is your friends. And I'm going, mm. holy crap, Michael's done a lot of like all over the place. And, and then I listened to him like, oh yeah. And he sounds yummy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh um, man, you know, the funny thing is that you spend, I'll speak for myself, I spend so much time doing this stuff on my own mm-hmm. and not, you know, I guess unlike being an actor on the stage where you get immediate feedback, um, you know, a lot of this time is spent making this stuff um, for you guys and gals. And we don't really have a whole lot of contact with you in many regards. Um, and it's exciting whenever there are more opportunities to be able to do that, because I, I do feel like at some point, you know, you do really want to know and feel like what you're putting together is is what people are really enjoying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's been primarily in the last year or so that I've, I've sort of gotten my first bits and pieces of, of feedback from audience members in particular, like I just got a message that was the sweetest message from, um, from a, a listener, a fan just the other day. And I, it just means the world really mm-hmm. to know that people are not just enjoying them, but it's really kind of, it's making their day, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And there's a lot of um, like the, there's more to it too, because there's a lot of listeners that are going through tough times. Either they're, they've been sick and they're yeah. like, I had a friend who her son was in chemotherapy. So she was constantly having to be wow. in the hospital and the audiobooks was helping her pass the time and giving her that kind of grounding in between the medical noises, having to have a, these really hard conversations with doctors and family members and all this other stuff. And to be able to reach out to you guys and say, thank you. It's, it's really big on us to be able yeah. to be able to do that. But also it's, again, you guys are so alone and you have a project, you get cast, you do it, you're done. Bye. Next. And you don't know what comes mm-hmm. after that, right? The or how we feel or perceive how your performance was. So it's it's kind of we love the fact that you guys are being more active on social media to be able to have that bits of connections with you guys. Yeah. 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 So if you Absolutely. haven't been, you need to get more on there, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll, I, this is my concession uh, is that I, I really do need to be more active on social media. I, I, it's funny because like that was my intention originally when I was starting out. And then when things really took off, I got so swamped yeah. um, that I just, I, I failed spectacularly to be able to work in my social media uh, strategy. And uh, that's something that I'm actually in the thick of trying to work on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, cause it's all sort of like y- you want to spend time putting your best foot forward and, you know, and, and you want to make things look just right. And so you're, you're kind of like digging through your mind palace of like how exactly you want to put it together and everything. And uh, sometimes it can be a little exhausting, but, yeah. but you know, sometimes you just gotta, do it. My dad says, you know, sometimes when you wait at the edge of the water and you're looking at a boat to see if, you know, it's seaworthy and you're kind of like measuring it, you're looking at it, 
sometimes you spend too much time and eventually the boat goes away. You know, it actually is once it's on the water, it's too late. So sometimes you just got to get on the boat. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's intimidating. Like why would anybody want to know what I'm posting or listening to and stuff like that? And people have that, you know, like why would anybody want to know what I'm doing? Imposter syndrome situation going. And Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of conversations like I've had with reviewers and bloggers and even some narrators. I'm like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I just show me your booth with the book cover because you got permission to do it. And this way I know to add it to my calendar. Because you're narrating it. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 But it's we, easier said than done. <laughs> we all, we all do. We we should all just sit together and hold hands because we all do have this imposter syndrome, right? Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. we are all we're all thinking the same thing too. We're all sitting here going, um, I'm the only one who doesn't have my shit together. <laughs> And everybody else is thinking that, right? Oh, like absolutely. The, the one, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're all in that boat, you know? Yeah. And so we, we, we should, you know, we should uh, celebrate that in, in a certain respect and recognize and empathize that we, we all have those, those feelings, even the ones that seem to, you know, to fool us the most of like, you know, that they do have, you know, their, their stuff together more than anybody else. And mm-hmm. they feel the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, even I had someone to ask me, do you still get nervous when you talk to your guests? I'm like, hell fuck. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I still get better, but you've been doing it for over like eight years. I'm like, and it doesn't matter. I mean, aside from imposter syndrome, it's, you know, making sure that things are done correctly, that things are recording correctly. And, and do I have to pull information out of you guys, or are you going to be telling me everything and I'm making sure you guys are comfortable. There's so many different variables. And yes. I, it's just, it's still nerve wracking because you guys are also our rock stars. And I'm going, oh my God, I want to be talking to Michael. <laughs> sometimes we get, you know, I'll say right now, sometimes I still get nervous, even just sitting in a booth by myself. Sometimes I, you know, I, I get, and that comes from more of like a perfectionist, you know, wanting to do as, as well as I can and as good by the you know, the listeners as, as I possibly can and, and making sure that I'm not just phoning it in and, you know, like, um, and, and, and yet I'm still, I'm all by myself. It's not as though there's somebody standing over my shoulder, you know, although that does happen every so often you do like a, you know, a directed session or something like that. And the funny thing is I actually find that, um, I don't know if it's a negative reinforcement thing, but it's sort of like <laughs> that extra sort of, zing that extra sort of a little bit of oomph um, from having a director there a lot of times actually uh, makes me perform even better than I would on my own because I tend to be a little bit more you know hard on myself when I'm on my own whereas I, I, I try to be as cognizant of the director's time and so uh, you know so I, I just try to pull out you know all the stops and keep things moving on and, and it gives me that oomph you know? Yeah. And there's also second, there's less second guessing of yourself because they're telling you that's yeah. a good job. You yeah. did good. And, exactly. you know, versus ourselves, we're like, that sucked. <laughs> Let right. me do it again. <laughs> yeah. And you realize, you, you know, this is one of the things that uh, narrators spend so much time is they realize that they actually burn a lot of time, Yeah. Um, you know, being too hard on themselves when really they, they've got it. They're doing a good job. Like mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, that's not to say that you shouldn't like just sort of completely throw any kind of criticism out the window, but like, 
you know, turns out most of the time you're the obstacle in your own way. Oh, yeah. Not so much what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Chances are you've probably been doing a pretty good job. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that um, I've been trying to focus on for myself and also in conversation with friends and stuff when it comes up is be kinder to ourselves. Because yeah. we, we talk to ourselves a lot worse than we would ever talk to anybody else about things. Oh my gosh, so yeah. We need to be nicer to ourselves and things like that. Yeah. And it's so, that thing they say where it's like, would you say that to a friend? Oh, you think, oh no. my gosh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you think, and then you realize how harsh, you know, sometimes you can be to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's crazy. I know that we mentioned it a little bit before with the Irish brogue and the, the stuff like that, but accents. You do mm. a couple of them. I've heard some of those samples and uh, in the books. Mm-hmm. What are some of the favorite accents for you to perform? I found, um, you know, early on that um, the sort of Irish and a little bit of Scottish um, and certain UK accents um, that the British Isles, I should say, those are probably the ones that um, that I engage with the most and have some of the most fun with. Um, they're not the ones that I would say I'm quote unquote the best at. Um, the ones that I tend to be a little bit better at are actually some of the Southern accents, Southern U.S. accents, I should say, um, just because I spent about 10 years of my life in North Carolina. So I've spent a lot of time with with people from from the South. Um so, you know, and, and sort of some of the distinctions between those, like, you know, the, the difference between, you know, something like a, you know, a more of an Appalachian, you know, a mountain Southern accent where a lot more of the hard R's, erotic R's, uh, as opposed to something like a Louisiana, you know, um, uh, deep South sort of, you know, accent. And then it gets even more distinct with, you know, things like, I don't know, it's harder for me, but Texas has its own sort of little bit of flavor to that as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, once you, you know, you start off by getting sort of the more uh, stereotypical starting points for uh, accents, you know, you say, oh, I can do a Southern accent. Mm -hmm. And then you ask, well, what does that really mean? Where are you from? Are you from, you know, North Carolina or are you from Florida or are you from Louisiana? Are you from Alabama? They do have their their subtleties. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, or, or when you say you can do a British accent, it's like, well, what exactly does that mean? Because a person from Surrey sounds a little bit different from someone from Manchester or Liverpool or, you know, um, and they do. They can be sort of subdivided. You know, you start off with what most people think of it as a, a proper British accent, which is called RP, right? Mm-hmm. And then you and then you think of Cockney. Okay, there's the sort of the other counterbalance. Um, but a lot of people sort of get Cockney, which is particularly London metropolitan based, confused with you know sort of other um, areas in the UK like Surrey or Manchester or things like that. Um, there, there have been actually all kinds of great examples that I've pulled from, from, uh, you know, various pop culture, uh, like Game of Thrones. If you ever listen to Game of Thrones, that is a great case study in sort of the whole 
run of all these different UK accents. Yep. Um, and if you just look up the actors and stuff and you see where it is that they're from and you listen to them for long enough, you really start to see the differences. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there is a book, a very large book, a very large fantasy book, which I can't really talk about in depth right now, that I'm working on right now that I am pulling on all of that stuff from. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so we're definitely mm-hmm. more forgiven, forgiving in when it comes down to like when there's like, oh, it's a British hero. Okay. We kind of like lump sump in America. I think yeah. In America. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but when you go with Southern, we're going, well, wait, is he from Alabama, North Carolina, Southern Louisiana, you know, or Savannah, Georgia? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely. Picky, and they will tell you, you know, it's a hilarious. And I'm going, I'm from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm mid Florida, so I don't have that Southern accent. <laughs> right. And to me, I'm like, I don't know. Does mid Florida mean something like I, but maybe very possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You know, uh, and, and I mean, I, I think for the most part, you know, the great thing about audiobook, uh, you know, audiences is that they are, they're incredibly forgiving. Um, yeah. you know, and for the most part, the great news is that for the most part, they're not, they're focused on the right things. They're yeah. yes. The accents um, further enrich the storytelling, but they are primarily focused on the story, mm-hmm. you know, and the characters and, and the moments between characters and stuff. I, and I really think that's the most, that's the core, you know, of, of what we're trying to do, but the accents are fun, man. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, I've, I've, there's been two instances where I've I've seen it. I think one was a review and another one was a tweet. And mm-hmm. it was, and the review was, yeah, he didn't sound anything Irish at all. And I'm going, mm-hmm. you, you don't realize that the narrator is actually born and raised in Ireland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a, a, you know, it was just slight. And then there's another one. I was like, ah, oh, his British accent was so fake and he's British. Um, I'm like, ah. Right. It- well, <laughs> no. So that's, that brings up a really good point because- what I think a lot of people don't realize is um, I think on our side of the pond, as, as the Brits say mm-hmm. um, on, on our side of the pond with Americans, when we think of what accents should be, we often think about the sort of the most pronounced mm-hmm. um, most exaggerated versions of them. Yeah. Whereas in a great deal of the world, it's a whole mix of, you know, accents being broken or, you know, uh, or them being much more slight. You know, I know all kinds of, you know, people in the UK um, or, or even like some actors uh, you listen to who they are British, but it's much more died down. And it, that could be from a whole range of things. It could be because they spent a ton of time in the States and it's become more Americanized. It could be that it's really a mix of, uh, you know, various accents because they lived, you know, throughout the UK. Um, and in a way, it kind of feels like, you know, in America, you think, oh, a person from Alabama should sound like this or a person from North Carolina should sound like this. And the truth is people have been moving and intermingling and learning, you know, all from around the world and around the country, you know, they're not going to fit stereotypically into that voice profile that you would expect from a particular region. It's not to say that those people don't exist, obviously, but it's much more, you know, the pot has melted together much more over time 
than than one would expect. And other sometimes people pick up the accents really well. There was one narrator mm-hmm. who that we were arguing some listeners in us in, in the friendly manner were going, "No, he's not British. Yes, he's British. No, he's not British. Yes, he is because the accent work is so good." And I'm like, "It's really easy. Let's find. Let's just ask." <laughs> Turns right. out he's not British. Um, yeah. But in some places, like I know that I pick up accents if I'm hanging out with people and talking to them, I'll start in that similar accent. If I visit up north, like I, I still can't say ca- car, car. I always uh-huh. say car because I went to Boston that one time and that word right. just stuck. And then when I visit family in Texas, even though they're from Connecticut, but they've lived in Texas for such a long time, they have that bit of a Southern twang. So if I'm hanging out with them, come day two i'm having them like stop viviana <laughs> you do not speak with this accent stop it you know it just it yeah. comes naturally to some people it's easier than others yeah, yeah. and that's what we do when we're, yeah. when we're with people who we love and respect we start picking up things from them mm-hmm. right yeah and and incorporating them because you know because that's how culture spreads mm-hmm. um and and you know i i just think that the funny thing is that the more that that happens, the it's sometimes difficult to get people to realize that there's more sort of subtleties yeah. in in accents, which lead people to think that when somebody is using something that's more of a subtle or a blend or something accent, um, mm-hmm. that it's not actually what it is yeah. when it it. It it is, but it isn't right. It's yeah. it's it's probably more reflective of the world around us now. Just not what we thought of, I don't know, you know, many decades ago. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. So on the opposite spectrum, what are some of the accents that you don't jive well with that just are difficult for you or you just don't like? Um, are mm. there any? <laughs> um, you know what? Like, OK, so I don't know if it's that, you know, I don't jive well with them, but I think that some of them are a bit more difficult for me, um, maybe because uh i don't know there because because it's not as easy to chew on so to speak as mm-hmm. something like you know uh, like a, a scottish or an irish accent or something something more subtle like a midwest accent oh yeah that i know that there are characteristics uh, about it but sometimes it's sort of like doing what i'm doing right now but every so often having certain characteristics that come out with certain words I feel like those kinds of accents that are even more subtle, that mm-hmm. only incorporate, you know, certain characteristics at certain times is a little bit more difficult to keep track of. Yeah. Um, and uh, or like when people say, for instance, a California accent, I'm not <laughs> sure I even know what that means sometimes. <laughs> like I, I can understand if you wanted something ex- exaggerated, like a valley girl accent or something Mm -hmm. but unless you're going for you know surfer dude or something a little bit more died down from that california to me sounds the same as any other sort of you know standard eastern seaboard american accent um and so there are things like that that i think when it when the rubber meets the road it, it is harder to keep track of that whereas there are other, you know, great examples throughout the world who feel more representative of a an accent that is much more distinct. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you can latch on to it a little yeah. bit more. 
it there's all kinds of you know uh, shades of uh, of subtlety and non-subtlety and and i i find that um or or for instance if somebody says well they <laughs> this is my favorite they you know they grew up in the uk but they've lived in the states for 15 years but their mother is jamaican and you're like <laughs> all right so let's see what we can do with that um it doesn't happen a whole you know ton i would say mm-hmm. the, the most common thing is that authors um want to see some kind of an accent but more subtle more yeah. died down right yeah um you know like like the thing i just mentioned they're from the you know they were born in the uk and they were there when they were a kid but they've been in the states for a long time so it might come out a little bit or when they're excited or yes. angry right yes 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 that's um, for sure which, which you know uh which also has its sort of its degree of all right well how much do we want to dial in or dial out you know how much of that accent comes through um and uh and you just got to be a little bit uh, judicious with that so um so yeah like midwest um i i'm not sure that i've really nailed like really any kind of spanish uh, accent um those are a little bit harder for me um uh, I would say generally accents that are outside of the Anglosphere, you know, those tend to be, um, they're, they're ten, they tend to be ones that pop up less often. Um, but, uh, but ones that I do enjoy the opportunity of learning more about that. And there are certain, like, I, like there are Facebook groups and stuff like that, that are dedicated to this sort of this practicing with one another, uh, with those kinds of accents. Um, but but uh, but those you know outside of of the Anglosphere, those are a little bit more challenging, and also kind of make me nervous because I don't want to do them, you know, wrong. You know, I I I don't want to you know offend anybody, and I want to I want to make sure that I'm at least doing it justice, and that's why a lot of times we tend to like sort of keep it very died down if if they're if they have some kind of small part in our in our books because we don't want to sort of overstep a lot of times. That is true. Yeah. You want to, you know, actually represent uh, the character and not make you into a character. Right. Not a character. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's, it can be difficult, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point about how sometimes our accents come out more. So when we're in heightened state of, you know, emotional, like upset, because I yeah. will switch more to Spanish when I get upset. And then the Argentinian accent comes out right more. Yeah. And it's just, uh, and they're like, Whoa. And I'm like, what? I was pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. and I, and I'm the same way, like my, you know, I kind of triangulated my, my way here to Los Angeles because um, though I spent 10 years in North Carolina, I'm originally from new England. All my family's from Massachusetts and Rhode mm. Island. I was born in Rhode Island. And so, you know, it's really, again, like you said, the times in which I'm excited or frustrated or something that, you know, that I'll, I'll, I'll start to sound a little bit more like my family saying, Johnny, Johnny, you got to lay down the cards. You got to lay the, you got to lay down the fucking cards, Johnny. What are you going to do? You know? So, yep. Uh, yeah. but it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's I I'm so I'm always excited um, to get to do any accent. Um, even if I'm, you know, not super practiced at it, that gives me an opportunity to learn yeah. more about it. 
Yeah. Especially if you're a learner. It seems like you're a learner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So with romance, I like to say it's almost like an umbrella term with all the subgenres underneath it. Paranormal, fantasy, you know, contemporary, you know, mafia, uh, young adults mm. and all that fun stuff. Is there a genre that you have not worked in that you'd like to work in? Just recently, um, I've sort of been strategizing about areas that I've wanted to work more in. And I think I'd like to work more, and and I've gotten a couple opportunities recently to do more in sci-fi and fantasy. I'm a nerd. I (laughs) I love sci-fi and fantasy. I love new worlds, new, you know, uh, alien races and or or new magics. I, I really do enjoy that you know, that entire realm. And I also love to explore just like the what ifs. Um, so that um, I wanted to explore. It's funny. I had an interest in um, thriller, but I also realized that a lot of thriller is maybe not what I thought of when it came to thriller. Cause thriller, I think actually more so means things like crime drama. Yeah. You know? Um, and that. I just did an audition for a crime drama and I sort of realized, you know, it, I really enjoy the, the momentum of it and the Mm -hmm. energy of it, but at the same time, it can also be um, kind of dense. A lot of times there can be a lot of terminology and things that I have that I, I don't really know because I don't watch for instance, or read a lot of crime drama. So it, it can be a little bit of a stumbling block when there's a kind of a, you know, Aaron Sorkin, you know, uh, walk and talk energy going on where people are just, you know, throwing all kinds of uh, terms that I've just never, you know, heard of or, or read or seen before. And so, you know, it, it is a lot of fun. It just, it sort of slows me down a little bit. So it's sort of one of those areas that I'd have to spend more time with in getting more comfortable with, but it is still very cool. Um, yeah. Horror has always been an area that I want to work more in. I, I always love, oh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've always loved the, the nervous energy of horror um, when it comes to listening to audiobooks. It's kind of like one of the more uh, just tintillating kinds of experiences of, of listening to, um, you know, I, I think most of the time when I've heard people tell me these great stories when I was a kid, it was in the format of horror and just waiting with, with bated breath to hear what was going to happen next uh, was, was really great. And mm-hmm. so um, that's something that would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There yeah. are so many things out there, even outside of the umbrella of romance but even within that umbrella they are some a lot of authors that have said i would love to do like a horror romance i'm like go for it girl you know and then they'll have the cozy mysteries which are kind of like what you would think a thriller is more like but it's a Mm -hmm. kind of who's done it but not so into the terminology um which is i think a, a lot of listeners um like as well because there's the like and also like the meet cutes and all that fun stuff in contemporary yeah. that there's so many different 
availability. I think it's a good word of kind of way to say it when it comes down to these genres. And there's some that aren't even being invented because they're they're mixing. It used to be paranormal was one thing and sci-fi was one and yep. fantasy was another. And now you're like paranormal sci-fi romance. <laughs> yeah. Now they're all sort of starting to blend together. And and also just the sort of I, I thought to myself one day, I was like, where when do you start, you know, when when you're doing a romance, when do you stop calling it a romance and start calling it erotica? Because I imagine mm. that a lot of books out there that are erotica, um, or at least seem like erotica, I imagine that most of those authors would refer to themselves as romance authors, right? Ah, yeah. Um, or that they would refer to the book as a romance. Because I think that a lot of them want to emphasize the fact that it is a story and stuff, but are there... You know what I mean? Like when when does one call it a romance and or erotica or has it become sort of the same thing? People still get the two mixed up. There's a difference between Mm -hmm. uh, erotic romance and erotica. And so usually the conversation Mm. becomes is is there a story and a plot that's driving the the characters that has romance and it's just very hot and steamy. Um, and they, as, as TikTok likes to say, spicy. <laughs> yes. That then becomes an erotic romance. Erotica, mm. the sex is driving everything. Yeah, that's what I imagined it to be. I, I just yeah. sort of, I, I wondered, like, has there, you know, have there oh. been authors who have been sort of, when yeah. depending on how heavily they lean into, you know, the sex and the steamy uh, scenes and stuff, you know, could the audience say, oh, that's erotica? And they go, no, 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 it's erotic. You know, it's erotic romance. romance. And, yeah. You know, it's um, an ongoing debate. Amazon loves to mess with the authors that way, too. They've been uh, Amazon has flagged yeah. books as erotic erotica when they're like and the authors are like, hell no, mm. <laughs> because, you know, ranking is different and people ah. can, books can get banned. And then there's some that are like proud that their book got banned because it was an erotica. And then they get on audio and they're like, hey, now you're going to hear it, baby. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. You run the gamut. You have the complete spectrum of reactions and, you know, but the, the listeners like about everything. I want to say there's some that mm. are more into the the uh, actions and more into this the steaminess and there's some that are fine with what they call slow burns when it's a lot less like half the, the book has gone by and they just kissed or something and so there's no sex up until later so there's it's the it, it, again the gamut as to what the audience is and there's something for everybody from slow burns to hey i just met you and we're going to go into the bathroom and have it fun to mm-hmm. um fade to black to completely open doors and they tell you everything nothing to the imagination to hey i did not realize i had that kink thanks <laughs> absolutely i'll tell you what in the experience of i wasn't sure how i was going to feel about narrating romance over time because you know it's not as though i read a whole lot of romance to begin with yeah. so i was sort of like what's the the experience going to be like narrating a lot of it and i tell you what <laughs> i have come to love reading books that make me blush i really do i yeah? lo- I, I love it yeah mm-hmm. i i and and uh, and there's a lot more um there's a lot more uh in terms of how people are putting together the various components of how to tell, you know, these, these stories than I would have expected. It's, it's, there's been a lot of surprises 
um, over, over the, I'd say almost two years now of doing romances. And that's, that's been thrilling. Um, so many talented people writing these stories. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that we, as, uh, the listeners tend to go like, do they still blush? Like after how many books, um, mm. or of course, I wonder if they still get excited. <laughs> like, do, do they get turned on to it? For I'm like, what it's worth, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm we like, we're do. human beings. It's a little hard not to. Absolutely. I find myself all the time in various moments. I'm like, I'm reading out a sentence and that I, I like straight up like stop. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. And, and some of us readers will be like, we highlight and we go to our partner, read it, memorize it later tonight. Um, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, try something new. Why not? Yeah. So it's uh, it's nice to to know that the after doing so many books that you guys are still somewhat um, mm-hmm. reacting to Absolutely. what the word is. Yeah. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um so when it comes down to all these books that you're doing and, and working and working when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> well, um, I, I really do. You know, it's great. The great thing about being in a town like LA is there, there are you know various fun things to do. Um, and I've been trying, uh, you know, a few different things. Like I, I just went to the, like first time I ever went to a comedy club recently, oh. I went to flappers um and uh there was there was a whole bunch of comedians that got up there and did a great job um i love to go i'm I'm a big foodie i love to go and check out various restaurants be they uh you know pop-up or or mainstays there's a there's an awesome uh restaurant that we went to we've gone a couple times now um me and my girlfriend we there's this place called um beetle house and it's completely I don't know if I would call it like Halloween themed, but basically you go in and they, they sort of bring you in the back as though it were like a speakeasy mm-hmm. and it's the walls and everything in the, in the menu. They're all like, we'll go with Halloween themed for now. You know, it's like Tim Burton and all these different sort of spooky and horror movie wow. um, cultural um, you know, elements that have been weaved into everything. And the food is phenomenal. And it's great because it's kind of like dinner theater. Basically, they have um, people who dress up and they come out and they're dressed like various characters like Oogie Boogie um, and, you know, the Queen of Hearts, uh, Edward Scissorhands. And they sort of, you know, they host it. But they also, you know, come out with like a, a, a song or a show tune or something and they sing it while you're you're having, you know, this great filet mignon or something. And it's just a ton of fun. And, you know, any time that somebody comes in L.A., I recommend it because it's a really good experience. So Sounds stuff like, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know, just any ex- excuse to, you know, in between like my breaks and stuff, I'll go out. I, I live in this tiny little cul-de-sac um just uh up in the hollywood dell and my neighbor's dog will always be sort of sitting out there by the fence and she's she's learned that um i i'm the one who uh (laughs) kicks the ball the best because i use my little flip-flop and i get like i sort of curve it under and i i get really high air so every time i'm out there but somebody else wants to throw the ball around 
she like steals it from them and tries to give it to me because she's like, no, no, you don't understand. He's the one who knows how to kick the ball. Right. <laughs> so this is the human we like. <laughs> yeah. So Ella love her. Uh, oh, that's fun. all kinds of joy in between my breaks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and also during my breaks love to play me some, some Xbox game pass just to wind down and, you know, play some games and, and, and hang out. Um, and, uh, I love to travel when I can, I've done more traveling in this past year, um, that I have in, in quite a while. I've been doing a lot of domestic, uh, travel. I, I was actually supposed to, um, go to Ireland, um, during the summer. Um, but a couple things kind of got in the way of that. So we're probably going to try and do that some other time, but I was, I'm so excited to eventually go. I, I got my passport for like the first time. Um, you know, I never gotten a passport before and it was actually with the exception of going to the, you know, the, um, post office for like three hours. Um, it actually all came in a fairly, you know, speedy time. So I was, I was pretty yeah. happy about that. Do not let that expire. Whatever you do. Oh, I know. Oh, God, that's the bane of my existence. I let mine's yeah. expire. And but hey, like, it's every right. 10 years. So you're like, all right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I yeah. hope that you get to uh, across the pond soon. So you can have that. Found my yeah. list of things to do too, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> in the yeah. meantime, I'll do more state stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. me in the meanwhile, I'll be in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite word? Ooh, my favorite word. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about this in a long time. Um, uh, ooh, actually, resonance. Hmm. I really love that word. I think that uh, it just really, really, it's such a beautiful word that encapsulates anything that, you know, really is meaningful to you and that energizes you um, and, 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 uh, and motivates you. Yeah, I really like that word. If there was some kind of a... a like a a symbol or an icon for resonance, I'd probably make that as an like a tattoo or something. Mm. Uh, Cause I think it's spoken to a lot of different parts of my life. Like my sort of my musical part of my life. I music was always a big part of it. Um, and, uh, and the voice, you know, in general and, and just anything that is, is really meaningful that resonates with you. I just love yeah. that word. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty word. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite curse word? Um, (laughs) Okay. So um, it's sort of a a uh, multi-worded curse word. (laughs) Um, And I'm so glad that you said that we can curse on this show. Because, okay. So there's um, there's this teacher in high school who was teaching... A, I want to say it was a Shakespeare and literature class. And we were going over the play uh, Romeo and Juliet. And at one point she's talking about, um, I, I don't know if you ever like read it, you know, in high school or college or anything, but there's this character named Rosalind who in the beginning, it's, they never actually, you know, show Rosalind in the play, but, you know, it's basically the girl that broke Romeo's heart, right? Yep. And Romeo is talking to, I don't know, I can't remember 
which one he was talking to, but might've been Benvolio or something, but he was talking about Rosalind and she starts talking about Shakespeare. She says, what do you, what do you think that uh, Shakespeare is trying to say about Rosalind here in this scene that, that she's just some, you know, some sperm burping road whore or that she, <laughs> you know, and I would like, I just, I had to grab my mouth cause I was about to burst out laughing. I had never heard something strung together like that before. And I was just, wow. <laughs> I, I, I was floored and just amazed i i was like wow that's creative and terrifying and gets right in the gut and i i just loved it ever since i've never heard somebody do that before oh my goodness say it again <laughs> sperm burping road whore oh my god like, wow <laughs> That is visceral. Yeah. I mean, it's descriptive <laughs> and gives you like where you're, where they're at. Yeah. Oh. Like that's an, that, yeah, that's, that's going for the throat there. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. That reminds, yeah. yeah like a lot of the Spanish uh, curse words sometimes are words that are like, or phrases that are strung together. And that kind of gives you that, uh-huh. oh, when those words are put together, that one's one of those now. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why I, you know, when I was in uh, high school, you know, there was this translated book. I can't remember which, but we were reading it, and the 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 teacher was actually talking about like because they were a Spanish speaker, and they were like, you know, if you guys ever learn Spanish, you really should, and then reread this in Spanish mm-hmm. because you know the translation doesn't quite you know capture yeah. the enrichment of this word or this string of words you know mm-hmm. yeah it has a slightly different connotation yeah you know? yeah exactly it's when certain words individually are bad enough but when you put them together you're like oh oh yeah oh that he, hits oh <laughs> <laughs> like back away slowly yeah <laughs> i may have to use that um <laughs> mm-hmm. feel free to steal it i thought yeah. it was fabulous yeah that's great you mentioned music and having a love for it. So what song do you have to sing along with no matter where you hear it when it oh. comes on? Oof. Oof. I got to pick one. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, this is, again, this is like one of those, like, what's your favorite movie kind of thing, which I would even find easier than this, honestly. Maybe I'll go with something more recent, um, mm-hmm. just to whittle it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what's funny? Like, okay, <laughs> not that this is like the song or my favorite song or anything, but like, um, <laughs> it's a, it's like an old sort of uh, 80s song, but it's uh, it's the one where it goes like, I wear my sunglasses at night so I can't. You ever heard that one before? Yeah, yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't switch the map. Yeah, it's so good. I that that one's that one's a jam. But I always like listen to it. I'm like, this is such a weird song. I love yeah. it. I love weird. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of those, and or the ones that when I was growing up and as a teenager and in my early mm-hmm. 20s are not considered. And now in the you know, classic station and that comes up and I'm going, no, <laughs> that is <Yeah>. not classic. 
I know, but they're like sort of these one hit wonders that yes. uh, that people were just like, oh yeah, we'll turn that into a meme. Yeah, right? the, the 80s had a lot of one hit wonders, mainstream mm-hmm. specifically, but that was also because there was a lot of underground stuff happening, which is kind of like how but it's happening you know now. What? I'll, change, I'll change my answer slightly oh, only okay. because um, I just recently went to um, a John Mayer concert and uh-huh. I like John Mayer. I, I think he's very talented and there are certain songs that I have just always thought are wonderful i think uh why georgia um is a great great song if you, if you haven't listened to it before it's such a lovely song mm-hmm. um that that one i'll probably go with yeah okay cool mm-hmm. that's good i was like asking that question because sometimes i'm like i've never heard of that one or i'm like oh that's a good one i haven't heard in a long time and then i'll play it after we hang up <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah i wear my sunglasses at night i'm like why <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's just the one that came to mind because I like I heard yeah. it on the radio the other day, and I was yeah. just like, "Ah, uh, this is this is this was a fun little jam." It was, yeah. You know, it's like again, you're in the car, um, or you're in the supermarket nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if something comes up and you're like jamming, I'm like, "No, I'm in public. I can't." Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So one of the other things we'd love to do here with our guest is play a game of getting to know you with two truths and a lie. Mm. where I ask you to tell me three things about yourself. Obviously two are going to be true and one's going to be a lie. And we have to figure out which is the lie. And I always say we, because I really hope the listeners are playing along with me. <laughs> Otherwise it's lonely. I'm excited. Yeah. Because I thought very carefully Ooh. about uh, this and I have some, some interesting answers for you. And I'm very curious to see if you get it. Okay. Well, I'm ready when you are. Okay. So, um, so two truths and a lie, right? Yep. Number one, option number one, door number one. I went snorkeling for the first time when I was five years old in Jamaica. Okay. Mm-hmm. Went snorkeling for the first time when I was five years old in Jamaica. Number two, when I was three, I almost permanently lost a chunk of my hair when I was playing with an electric drill. Oh my God. Okay. And then uh, number three, my mother made me drink soy milk most of my my childhood, uh, including in my cereal, which is a very interesting experience. So, yeah. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. I try to keep (laughs) them specific just to see. Yeah. See, this is where the, the details, it's always in the details. And I'm, and people are like, well, how do you try to figure it out? And I'm like, well, it could be that if they give you way, way too much specifics, you know, snorkeling mm-hmm. first time in Jamaica when he was five years old, those are very specific. I'm like going, hmm, that might be a lie. Um, mm-hmm. But all yours are, dang it. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, this is why I was like, well, I know if I give one that's like really general, but then I give one that's really, really specific. Uh-huh. that that could lead them to think, oh, well, because that one's super specific, mm-hmm. that that must be, you know, the one. So I try to keep them all a little bit more specific. Yeah, exactly. And then also, again, very detailed, three years old, almost lost based off of, oh, yeah. My goodness, mm-hmm. if this, if, if both things were happening, your parents must have had a fun time with you as an infant. <laughs> <laughs> and then soy milk, um, even in your mm-hmm. cereal. Oof, okay. Um I want to say the lie is the almost losing a chunk of your hair. No, oh, it's not. That's the lie. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So Dude. brief explanation. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm going to be honest. Um, the one that is the lie is mm-hmm. sort of 
lie only by a, a, like a like by a single point and here's mm-hmm. why uh the lie was i went snorkeling for the first mm-hmm. time when i was five years old in jamaica yeah the lie part of that is i didn't go snorkeling because <laughs> my parents you know basically said because i was five that i was too young and that they were worried something might happen in the process of me snorkeling and that yeah a mess of things so they ended up going snorkeling on their own but hmm. I was five years old and I was in Jamaica. Jamaica. And that's the only time that I was ever out of the country. I did not need a passport at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was, oof, what was it like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be a uh, long, long time ago now. Eons um, ago. <laughs> yeah. Eons ago. I, I do. I, I do have this distinct memory, though, of like basically um, this thunderstorm. But <gasps> it wasn't even like thunder. and It was just thunder. It was no like rain or anything. And like the lightning just dancing across the sky and it, and it was warm out. It was just sort of a mix of things that I'd never experienced before that I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I can't believe like it was in the middle of the night, you know, the, the curtains are flowing and I'm watching out the, and it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we yeah, get those and then, here. yeah. And wait, so where are you based? I'm in Orlando, Florida. You're in Orlando. Okay, yeah. Cool. And I grew up in Miami. So close to the beach. So we do have in Florida, those silent storms where are you sometimes either you just hear it and you have no idea where uh, it's coming from or uh, very visual where you see the lightning, but you hear nothing. Right. You know, and you're yeah. looking pretty going to go indoors now, but pretty. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, when, and so when I was three, I did like, I did pick up a drill and I was fiddling with it. I was pressing on the 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 gun part, and it just sort of one it, the drill got too close to my hair, and it just went and grabbed a huge chunk of it, and it ended up ripping out a huge chunk of my hair. And when they brought me to the emergency room, they said we don't think that he's ever going to grow hair there again because it's ripped out of the roots. Thankfully, they were wrong, and I still have a very you know full head of hair, um, but. It very probably could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then, yes, my, my mother is a health nut and she was a big soy milk drinker. And so we drank soy milk with every, we didn't have like whole milk or anything in, in the house. So whenever wow. we wanted cereal, it had to be with soy milk. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, I remember going from whole milk growing up and then my dad deciding that he wants to do like dieting healthier eating and, and going into like two percent milk and and then the one percent and we're going this is just water with some food dye <laughs> yeah and now i'm just like not even playing with it i do whole milk yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm in and and i think since then my mother's somewhat mellowed out about that yeah. kind of stuff but uh yeah, yeah I, i'm wait okay. until I'm you have kids now. And, 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 oh and she as grandparents, they'll give the kid the cookie before they even have the dinner and you're going, whoa, whoa, wow. <laughs> right. No, I think, see, I think my, I think my mother would be happy to like spoil mm-hmm. any children that, uh, if I ever had children mm-hmm. that, you know, she'd be like, oh no, I'm going to ruin these. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, as soon as they get the grandparent title, it's like all the stuff that they did with you kind of goes out the window and it's like, they just want the child to be happy. And I'm like, but you did not let us have cookies <laughs> before right. dinner ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But look at them. Like, stop. Like, let them have the cookie. And I'm like, no, they need to finish dinner first. I Viviana. I'm like, she's Louise. And then the, my niece is looking at me like, ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> That's when you know you're like, you, yes. you're, you are using this, aren't you? Yes, yes. <laughs> she's like, thank you for the cookie, thank grandma. <laughs> and I'm yep. like, sooner or later, she's leaving. Mm-hmm. Kids, they're clever. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, except for the when they get a drill in their hands. <laughs> yes, less clever. Yeah, I agree yes. with that. But at three years old, it's a little bit more forgivable. Yeah, mm. I should have gone with my gut. I kind of was thinking it's the snorkeling. It was way too detailed. <laughs> <laughs> but good <Yeah>. job. <laughs> good. Excellent. Valiant. Yeah. A valiant effort, I will say. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you that you can share? Absolutely. So, um, so I have one book, uh, Pacific Prep number three, which is Beyond Vengeance um, by R.A. Smith. That's coming out in April 19th, um, published by uh, uh, Podium Audio or produced mm-hmm. by Podium Audio, I should say. And um, that is so that's the third in the series. It is a dark new adult reverse harem bully romance wow that's a really long (laughs) genre (laughs) i guess you could say um and it's centered it's centered around four hot guys who rule pacific prep it's an elite academy for the rich and powerful and one girl with a dark past and a new identity hadley parker who defies the school norms at every turn um so without giving too much away Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, she's basically, um, a, she, she has this very interesting past that she's trying to hide from people. And it actually relates to the, um, the parents of the four hot guys who kind of rule, um, over this, this academy. Um, and they all have very distinct personalities. Um, but they, they always try to, you know, <clears throat> work as one and uh, there's this there's this really interesting um sort of uh, tradition in the school where i think it's like every week or so you know they they each choose a new girl to kind of be you know on their arm as it were and uh and at one point um hadley sort of messes that whole process up when they all go for her hmm. in one way or another. So um, it's, it's very smartly written. It's, uh, it's very witty. It's very uh, snarky. Um, I had a lot of fun. Um, so that's, that's the third one. And um, that, should, that should be coming out April 19th. That's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another one, which is, I'm kind of cheating here a little bit, but the box set um, box sets one through three and then three through six for Diary of, eight, of an 8-Bit Warrior mm-hmm. by Cube Kid is going to be releasing. I actually don't have the release date specifically, but I know it's going to be in the next, uh, I want to say two weeks or so. And uh, that uh, follows a young uh, Minecraft villager named Runt. Um, <laughs> and he wants to become a warrior at the Minecraftia school where he brews <laughs> potions and fights endermen and, you know, and, and fights mobs, finds allies in unusual places and more. So we have to, you know, if you're, if, if you have some, I, I, I don't know what the, the 
typical makeup of your audiences, but if they have kids, this, mm-hmm. this one's a lot of fun. If they, if they really enjoy Minecraft, um, there's a ton of different characters, um, all kinds of different challenges, tons of references to things that they would know about um, if they've played enough Minecraft, hmm. lots of comedy, lots of action. Um, I, I had a ton of fun working on this series. And there's also a spinoff series um, called Tales of an 8-Bit Kitten, um, which is about <laughs> this kitten who sort of gets morphed into this uh, powerful blue ocelot-like creature who makes friends with all these different monsters, which is not really something that you didn't you know, that you saw in the main series. So whole different kinds of characters get introduced in that one. Um, so, you know, if you, if you have an, a younger audience as well, I definitely mm-hmm. recommend, recommend them to check it out. Cool. Yeah. I was looking at the, the covers, they, like, you know, I had friends that have kids that play Minecraft, um, and I was like, okay, they're blocks. And they're like, no, but dude, you get to create these worlds. And I'm like, sure. Have fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it was the really, it was the, it's what's called a voxel styled game and it's really kind of one of the big first main yeah. games where it's kind of like the new legos right yes. you really get to create your whole different kind of world um and people have created the most amazing things i've seen um, some of them in minecraft fantastic yeah. i'm like wow they did that i'm like using blocks and then i remember oh, i used to play legos uh, <laughs> but it's different yeah. when it's virtual versus you know in your hands so yeah. i'm amazed yeah um, like I said, I know my niece was into it too, my kid too. So it's like, wow, okay, have fun, guys. Mm-hmm. But it's good that they come up with a a book that is interesting for the younger folks too mm-hmm. to be reading this way. Yeah, and definitely it, it intersects with the ever, you know, exploding world of video games, which you know seems to be you know uh, connecting with all kinds of other areas of entertainment. Right? Yeah, we're, we're starting to see a lot more you know, movies and TV shows that are actually based on yes. video games mm-hmm. and stuff. No, um, for so, sure. the, and this, this is one more realm audiobooks mm-hmm. where this is coming into play. Yeah. And a lot of people have discovered the video games because they've read the book or the vice versa. They've discovered, they've played the video games, not mm-hmm. knowing there was a book and then they go back and read the book. So it's exactly. kind of really cool how it's like the circle of continuance that just is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know like that Witcher was one of them. Like, I did not know that was oh, a yeah. game. I'm like, no, I didn't know it was a book. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, Research. Game, I, I, <laughs> I played the games. I, 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 uh, I've heard great things about the show too. Um, uh, in fact, it's funny. If I remember correctly, um, oh, who's the, who is the guy uh, who plays Geralt of Rivia? Um, he this plays guy. Superman. Yeah, uh, Henry Cavill, um, I think is his Henry name. Henry Cavill, Cavill yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the reasons why the show came to be is Henry Cavill, from my Please. understanding, is he's a huge nerd. Yeah, he played the games and he, he was did. Like, he was like, this is one of my dream roles. And so they started exploring that. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why it came to fruition. Yeah. Which I, about I manifesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. He sure. read the books, too. So he knows where this is going. And so, yeah, yeah. It, it was an interesting like, Wow okay yeah. good yeah. okay yeah because you know a lot of times we think that they're like oh there are these movie actors and he happens to be hot he's no like he's not gonna play video games no no he's a big nerd oh my gosh <laughs> which yeah. is awesome I saw, a, I saw a video where he was like excited to show people that he was building a gaming pc he was like check this out guys 
I was like, oh man, you are a huge nerd. <laughs> yeah. But it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, I think the, the meme was, and he's giving the rest of us guys some hope. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. While while looking like Henry Cavill. But yes, yeah, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Eh, there's always yeah. something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but no, these books sound really good. I'm going to be adding that Beyond Vengeance to my uh, to be read list when it comes out oh, on the 19th. Great series, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely check it out. Yeah, I think it's also I appreciate you taking the the time to actually tell us about the book because sometimes when we read the blurb or we hear it's a young, you know, it's like a new adult or high schooling bully, and you're like, Ugh, not my game. But the way that you described it, it was like, ooh intrigued i am <laughs> yeah no i i definitely want to give you something you know i, I always like to bring up a, a little bit of the things that like resonated with me so yeah said, there's that there's word, a word. um you know uh because because those i'm not gonna say those are the things that could resonate with people but it is one of the things that um you know if if you trust me not that anybody you know you know knows me too personally but like if if you've ever enjoyed listening to some of the stuff in the past and, you know, are willing to listen to me vouch, it is a great series. And it's, you know, it's got certain parts of things in there that I haven't really seen before mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and handles it with such wit too. Um, the, the writing in and of itself um, is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I always, boy, is that a joy when you're a narrator and you get uh, exciting writing, you know, the way it's written. But I, I did think to myself, like, there could be a funny, uh, you know, I, I thought to myself, it would be fun to, like, get authors together and do sort of like a, a Ten Commandments of what the romance <laughs> book must have, you know, and yes. uh, listing out the things that you see most often, because um, it, it can be a bit of a hoot sometimes when you, you see certain things pop up now and then you know for sure i will say that they, they're definitely one that everybody will agree if it's for it to be considered romance it has to have a happily ever after um, yeah yeah, yeah. that's a big conversation um sometimes that comes up every so often there's there'll be a almost like a wave or a circle that you know cycle and then does it really have to could it, uh, happily for right now work and we're like well technically then that's not romance but you know people right. have that's a more drama. flexible yeah People yeah. have gotten more flexible with some things, but there are others are like, they will not waver. They're like, it must, and it will only be a romance if I'm like, got it. Okay, good to know. <laughs> well, I thought <laughs> so, yeah. about that. Yeah, I thought about that more carefully. I was like, okay, so does it, why does it need to have a happily ever after? And I think it's because a big part of what, you know, makes it a, a romance, or at least sort of what the feeling is about wanting to read a romance is you you kind of want to be comforted and to know I think there actually is something about at least the formula of having a happily ever after that people, they don't get tired of that. They're actually very comfortable with that. That's a thing that they look forward to. Yeah. They know that's um, going to happen regardless if it's aliens, cowboys, right. firefighters, high school drama, reverse harem or not. Yes. There's going to be at least a happily ever after. Yeah, or or at very least, you know, they know that conflict is going to come. Yes, right? they know that there's going to be a, a journey. There's going to be things that people are going to have to overcome. But but you know, with romance in particular, to know that things are going to end the you know in in the right way that 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 love will prevail um, is, I think, 
what what makes the 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 promise of what a romance is i yeah. guess yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what we look forward to is like, how is it going to end? You know, I mean, we know mm-hmm. it's going to be happily ever after, but it's how. And again, right. it's that journey that the authors take us in with all the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs, whether it's an alien or a fa- high fantasy yeah, and magic wielding fairies or fill in the blank. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> so it's always fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been so much fun and pleasure getting to know you. It has been my absolute joy. Um, once again, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I'm so excited to uh, to see you at Allure, too. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll definitely be fun. Um, if you're not following him on social media, um, his links will be included in our uh, post over at Viviana and Shunch of the Books. You guys do not have to go hunting for them. And he'll be around probably a lot more, re- you know, going on forward. A little bit here, a little bit there. Dive more into social media, so be able to connect with him there and until next time happy listenings thank you thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast patreon special thanks to nixley zenner carol liebner line black peterson Brittany robinette Leiter, don darch michelle bastard nancy billows the audiobook loving podcast has special patreon access levels Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening. <laughs>